Hello, welcome to the stage. Thanks, Johnny. Um, <laughs> yeah, how good was that? I feel like I was given the job of explaining what was going on, but I feel like they've done a great job for us. Should we give them another round of applause? Um, yeah, in case you don't know who I am, my name is Lex. Um, I'm one of the student workers here and part of the team here at Metro. Um, so I've been working here for about three years and I've been working with the students and it is honestly one of the best jobs. So it's going to be such a pleasure to see both of those guys get baptised today. And we're going to dive into that in just a minute. Um, the pool is over there and I hope it's ready. Um, but we're so excited to do that and we're going to dive into that in just a minute. But I'm just really aware that for a bunch of you guys, actually, you're here to support Naomi and Jelena. And you're either here in the room or you're watching online. And actually, you're not someone who regularly does church. You're not a Christian. Maybe you went to church a bit when you were younger. Um, but you're not someone who does church. And so you've come along to this school hall and you're sitting with a bunch of people who just made a whole lot of noise with some weird lights and some songs about pouring your spirit out and then we're going to give Naomi and Jelena a fully closed clothed bath and frankly maybe you're just a bit confused and like that is totally okay when I got baptized five years ago um, I was baptized at Metro when we were back over the road at We the Curious um, and I invited all of my uni housemates along and they all came, they're not Christians, they're not people who normally do church. And they sat in one of the back rows. Um, and at the end of the service, one of my housemates turned to one of the others and goes, do you get this? Like, do you understand what is going on here? And maybe that's the question that some of you guys are asking here today. Like, what, what does this mean? Like, what is going on here? What is the point of all of this? And so what I want to do really quickly before we dunk these guys is just answer that question for you so you can feel involved in what we're doing and so you don't feel like you've got to the end of the service and you're still feeling a bit confused. And so for Metro people, this is the stage where you can breathe a sigh of relief because if you're that person who has brought your friend along, you're not going to be that person to have to answer all of those questions about like, what was that weird Christian karaoke all about? Or why was that old man dancing at the end? Sorry, Philip. Um, yeah, you're not going to have to be the one to answer all of those questions. Or maybe you actually didn't invite your friend along today. You thought about it, but you thought, oh, it's kind of complicated to explain. They're going to have loads of questions, and I don't want to get into that. But the bad news is, as the church, we have been... However much we try and be cool, we have been weird and confusing from day one, right? The Bible story, story that we're going to read later confirms that for us, that we've been weird and confusing from day one. But the good news is that there is a really simple explanation to all of this that hopefully we're going to unpack. And we find that story on the first day of the church. As Kate said, today is Pentecost. And to some of you, that might not mean anything. But to some of you, that is the birthday of the church. That is what we're here to celebrate today. But before it was the birthday of the church, Pentecost was something that happened way before that. So Pentecost was a Jewish festival. So the Jewish people, they would celebrate these festivals throughout the year. And over the course of the year, they would have several festivals. And this one particular festival called Pentecost, they would all come to Jerusalem to gather together to celebrate Pentecost together. And so 
one of the things that they would be celebrating on this festival of Pentecost would be um, the law that they were given. So you've probably heard about the Ten Commandments, right? So they were given these Ten Commandments so they could have a relationship with God. And so this is one of the things that they are remembering when they gather together at Pentecost. So when we dive into the story, we um, pick up from the disciples. So Jesus' disciples are all gathered together in one room together. At this point, Jesus has already gone up into heaven. So Jesus is not there. It's just his disciples. And basically, what happens to them is a little bit like what's happened to here, but it's way, way more intense. So if you think this was weird, then, right, get this. So... The story of Pentecost. So for us, we were kind of, we were um, singing that song about pour your spirit out. And maybe for some of you, you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room. Um, You can sense it in lots of different ways, kind of just feeling like a peace or a stillness or a joy or a tingling or something that you just can't explain. But maybe you sensed something of the Holy Spirit. But for these disciples, right, remember, it's way more intense. So for them, the Holy Spirit being in the room sounded like the blowing of a massive violent wind, which was so loud. And then it looked like this fire coming down from heaven and all of the tongues of fire separated and rested on the heads of the disciples. Sounds pretty unbelievable, right? But this is what the Bible documents as happening on the day of Pentecost. And then for us, we were singing these songs about all the amazing things that God's done. And we've heard Naomi and Jelena's stories of what they believe that God has done in their lives and why they think he's just so good. And so similarly for the disciples, they have a similar thing where they go about telling people of the wonders of God, except for them, they end up talking in languages that they didn't even know they knew. In fact, they didn't know them. The people that used to follow Jesus were people like fishermen and people like tax collectors. And the Bible describes them as unschooled and ordinary men, which feels a little bit rude. But these ba- basically, these guys are not people who are well-educated and would know lots of foreign languages. But suddenly, they're able to speak in all of these different tongues and they go about declaring the wonders of God in all sorts of different languages. And so this is where we pick up the story. And we can read, it says, Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Right? So it's the festival of Pentecost, and all of the Jews have come to Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, the wind, and them all shouting in crazy languages, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, aren't these the guys who are a bit thick and shouldn't be able to speak other languages? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, etc., etc., lots of other countries and lots of other places. (laughs) We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Right, so there's all this wild stuff going on. But the point that we're getting to is that they turn around and the people in the crowd, they say this. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? So this is what I was saying earlier, that from day one in the church, people have been asking this question. So if you're in this room and you're asking, what the heck does all of this mean? Why are we doing any of this? That's totally okay. That is the right question to be asking, in fact. So 
Yeah, people have been asking this question for centuries. But at this point, Peter, who is one of Jesus' disciples, he gets up and he gets the opportunity to kind of launch the church, to give the first talk at the church. And quick side note, some of the people, when they saw what was going on with all the tongues of fire and the wind and the weird languages and stuff, they literally, they just couldn't explain it. So they were like, these people are drunk. They must be drunk. And maybe you're thinking the same here. Maybe you think we're all just a bit weird and maybe we're a bit drunk. But so when Peter gets up, I think this bit is so funny. When Peter gets up, the first thing he says is, guys, we're not drunk. (laughs) And his explanation for that, his reason is, guys, we're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. (laughs) In other words, spoons only opened an hour ago. We've only had two pints. How could we possibly be drunk? It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Well, unfortunately, it's about half past six now. So by Peter's logic, we could be drunk. You don't know. But you're just going to have to take our word for it that we're not. We're not drunk and we're not crazy, I promise you. But so Peter gets up and he has this amazing opportunity to tell people what the church and what Christianity is all about. And so for the Jews, as I was saying, they were in Jerusalem. And one of the things they were celebrating is the giving of this law. So the Jews, maybe they're expecting Peter to get up and say, yeah, guys, we've been given this law. And as Christians, we're going to follow it to the letter. We're going to stick to everything that God tells us to do. And we're going to try really hard to be really good people. We're going to stick to the law. Maybe that's what they're expecting. Or maybe for you, if you kind of, you've been around Christians and you've been around church a little bit, maybe you're expecting Peter to get up and say, yeah, guys, we're just going to try and be really nice people. We're going to go to church on a Sunday and we're going to give our money to the poor and we're going to try and be good people. Or maybe even if you are a Christian, you'll maybe like, yeah, uh, Peter's like, guys, we're really going to pray for God's kingdom to come and we're going to read our Bibles and we're going to get to know our theology so that we can bring God's kingdom here. Now, all of this is good stuff, but this is not what Peter opts for. In his opening talk of the church, he opts for something different. And he says this, fellow Israelites, listen to this. And in one word, he takes this in a completely different direction. He says something that confuses everyone. He says one word, and that word is Jesus. Not a way of life, not something to do, not someone to be, but a person. And now that may seem obvious to you because we've all done Ari in school and we all know Christianity and Jesus. We know they go together, right? But all of what I'm going to say today, none of it is going to be new information to you, I assume. But actually what I'm trying to do is trying to communicate it in a way that is going to help you understand what is going on here. But so Peter, he starts by saying, Jesus, not something to do, not something to be, but a person. And he continues like this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible to keep his hold on him. 
What Peter is saying here is Jesus was this guy who walked the earth and he loved people. He served people. He came and cared for people. He opened the eyes of the blind. He opened the ears of the deaf. He sat with the social outcasts of society. And then he was falsely accused and he was beaten and he was mocked and he was humiliated and then he was hung up on a cross to die. But then three days later, he rose again from the dead. At this point, all the Jews are thinking, yeah, okay, sure, but why have you picked this one person? Why is your whole faith centered around this one person when all of what you've told me, other people have done that, right? All of that stuff that Peter said that Jesus has done, other people have done that too. Mother Teresa gave her life to love and serve the poor. Doctors and science now can open the eyes of the blind and can let deaf ears hear. Plenty of people were crucified on a cross. In fact, two people were crucified either side of Jesus. And plenty of people get sentenced to death wrongly. And also, other people have risen from the dead. This one is maybe a little bit more rare. But... Jesus' friend, Lazarus. The Bible tells us that Lazarus was raised from the dead. And it happens. Rarely, but it happens. If you want to hear some crazy stories, my sister works for a charity um, in Uganda, and they have some wild stories about people being raised from the dead. So if you want to hear those, come and grab me afterwards, because they're very interesting, and they involve milk. So (laughs) I'll leave it there. Mystery. Anyway... Oh, I've thrown myself off with the milk now. Oh, dear, here we go. Um, Yeah, so these people are like, yeah, what is special about this? That makes him a good guy, sure, but what is it about him that should make us follow him and join the church and become part of Christianity? And so Peter, he goes on to explain a little bit more, but when he gets to the end of this talk he basically has this mic drop line and he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. That's his mic drop moment. Now, for some of you, that doesn't quite add up. But basically what Peter is saying here is Jesus is God. Jesus is is God in human flesh. He is God. He is the Lord of all creation. He is the one who created everything that we see, all of our reality. He is the King of kings. He is ruler over everything. And he is the one that we are subject to, the one that is sovereign over everything. And he is Messiah. He is the one that is going to come and save us. Because when we look at the world, we can see that it's a little bit broken, right? And we need people we need someone to come and save it and so all of the Jewish scriptures have been pointing forward to say there is someone coming who's going to come and redeem this broken world and Peter saying that person is Jesus and so this means that when Jesus sat and ate with the poor that was God 
sitting and eating with the poor. When Jesus opened the eyes of the blind, that was Jesus, God, having compassion on people and restoring their sight. When Jesus did all of these things, that was God doing that. That was God loving us. That was God serving us. That was God caring for us in all of our humanity. And then when he went to the cross, when he was beaten, when he was mocked, when he was humiliated, going through so much physical and emotional pain, that wasn't just a man. That was God dying for us, hanging up on a cross, dying in our place. Because he is God, the fact that he dies, the only perfect man to walk this earth, means that we're free. Like in the story of um, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, where the white witch wants Edmund's life, but Aslan says, have mine instead. This is what Jesus does. Because he is God, he can do that. He hangs up on that cross for us and says, your sins are forgiven, you are free. And lastly, when Jesus rises from the dead, that is not just a human being coming back to life. That is God defeating death. That is God saying that death does not have the final word over us anymore. Should we choose to accept it, we can have eternal life with him because death is not the end for us anymore. And that essentially is what Christianity is all about. The fact that actually before the church was even started, Jesus did all of this for us. He gave his life, he came down to earth as a human being, gave his life on a cross so that we could be free and we could be in right relationship with God. And that is what Christianity is all about. And for some of you, you're thinking, yeah, that sounds quite good. Some of you are still thinking we're drunk that's fine. But a lot of you are probably thinking, okay, that's great, but that still doesn't explain the big pool of water that's sitting over there or the singing and stuff. Well, we can see later on in the passage um, a bit of explanation as to all of these things that we're doing here in this room. Because the message of Jesus that Peter gave is whole and complete in that but there's a whole bunch of this stuff that still needs explaining, right? So if we go back to the passage, then it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now there's two things I want you to see in this. The first is who is speaking and the second is why. This is the people who have listened to Peter speaking, right? And they're asking, what can they do to respond to this? This isn't Peter saying, therefore, you need to do this. And therefore, you need to do this. This is the people who have heard the message of Jesus. And they want to respond. They have chosen in and of themselves that they want to respond to this. And why? 
because they were cut to the heart. Because this is a heart-motivated, self-made choice. They want to do something about it. Because that's what we do as humans. We have this heart, and the ones we have in our bodies, blood flows in and blood flows out. And it's exactly the same with like our emotional heart. When something floods into it, we have to flood out somehow, right? And so it's a little bit like marriage. So if you know me, you know that I'm uh, getting married in five weeks' time. Thank you. That is the correct response. The incorrect response is when I was doing this for my fiancé, I was practicing in front of him, and I got to this bit, and I said, and I'm getting married in five weeks' time. And he goes, yeah, you are. Pow, 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 pow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the incorrect response. So I'm glad none of you did that. But I'm getting married in five weeks' time, and... It's not because anyone's making me. You might think that from his response. No one is making me. I want to do it because I love Alan. <laughs> oh. Don't worry, I'm not going to get all wedding speechy on you. I'm going to save that for five weeks' time. But when you fall in love with someone, you have to respond to that in some way. And so our natural reaction as humans when we fall in love with someone is to do something about that. And for a lot of us, that looks like getting married. But for these people, they ask the question of what should we do because they don't know what it looks like. How, what is the response for when you fall in love with a man but who is also God? Like, what is the correct response to that? I don't know. So they ask Peter, and Peter says this, repent and be baptised. And so I'm going to zip through this bit really quickly because I know you guys want to get to the dunking. But basically, this is what Naomi and Jelena are doing today. They are repenting and being baptised. And so the repent bit, that's a bit of a dirty Christian word, right? We don't really like to hear that word because it's a word that's been used to shame people a lot in the past. But basically what it means is just to change direction or to change your purpose. And the, baptize, the baptizing is what we're going to do for those guys in a minute. That is a laying down of your life to get something better. And that's exactly what I'm going to do when I get married. Actually, I'm going to change my whole life. I'm moving to a different area of Bristol in a new house. I have to live with a boy. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to change my whole life, the way I do my finances. And actually... For my marriage to work, a lot of what I'm going to have to do is to lay down my own preferences and to lay down my own desires. But I'm more than happy to do that because if that means I get to spend the rest of my life with Alan, then I'm happy to do that. And so that is what these guys are saying today. It might seem a bit of a stretch for you guys if you haven't been around church before and you don't know the person of Jesus to say, I'm going to lay down my life for this other person. But that is what these guys are doing. When they go into the water, when we lay them down into that water, that is them saying, I'm dying to my old way of life. I'm laying down my old way of life and I want to change the way I'm living. And when they come up, they're saying, I'm rising up to a new way of life where I'm going to live with Jesus, where I'm going to follow him, where I'm going to do life with him for every day for the rest of my life. So we're going to do that in just a second. But for some of you guys, maybe you're not quite at that stage, but actually you feel like maybe there's something in you that wants to respond to this. 
And there's several different stages. As I said, we're all going to be in different places with this. But maybe if you're someone, this, this is the first time you've come along, but you feel like there's something being stirred up in you. Actually, if that's you, I encourage you to look into this person of Jesus to find out for yourself who he is. You can come back next week. We're going to be here again, talking about Jesus again. That's what we do every Sunday. But you can come back and you can find out for yourself what it means that this guy died on a cross for you. Or maybe if you're part of Metro and you haven't been baptised yet, I really encourage you to think about that, to say, am I willing to change my life, to lay down my preferences, to get all of what God has for me? Or maybe you have been baptised and you're part of Metro. Maybe for you it's just thinking about actually is the reason that I do all of this stuff a heart motivated self choice to find Jesus or have I slipped into religion because we all do that we all do that from time to time we're human but am I choosing this because of Jesus and am I sharing this good simple message of Jesus with my friends So I'm just going to pray for us really quickly and then we're going to gather over there and we're going to dunk those guys. Yeah, God, thank you that you gave us the amazing gift of Jesus. Yeah, thank you that you gave him to us before we did anything. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. And yet you gave him to sacrifice his life for us. God, I pray for each of us in this room. Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond to that in the best way for us. Lord, would you be prompting us? Would you be helping us to figure out what this means for us? Yeah, thank you, God. Amen. Amen.